Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. It's good to see Ben tonight. Ah, I got to catch him coming out of the car. Yeah, you know Fred and Desi, many of you, that's their son, their younger son, and uh, the better looking one, right? <laughs> oh, wait a second, Mr. Wise, you got to watch it. Those guys were on a bus together, Mr. Weiser and him, and uh, it, it, it would go back and forth to prison. And I mean, it was uh, one of our buses on our routes, but anyway, it's good to see you, brother. It's great to see you again. Well, anyway... Um, Ephesians chapter 5, let's begin in verse 1, all right? Uh, the Bible says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness that had not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us tonight. May our hearts be stirred, encouraged, and even instructed in a way, Lord, that will ultimately affect our lives. Too many times, Lord, truth has a tendency to slip through our fingertips. Instead of it taking hold in our lives, many times it simply goes by the wayside. Tonight I pray, Lord, that the simplicity of your word would truly grip our hearts and our minds and that, Lord, we would take to heart those things that we hear and as your Holy Spirit convicts us, Lord, may you do a work in our lives. We need you, Lord. We're praying for your leadership. Fill me now with thy Holy Ghost. Allow me to be your mouthpiece tonight. Lord, you know that I can do nothing without you. Oh, God, I need you. Bless us tonight, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, we've been talking a little bit, and we've been dealing with this element of integrity and living by principle. And uh, we said that in this particular passage that Paul emphasized their relationship. I mean, they are the children of God. And he reminds them of the offering and the sacrifice that Christ himself made on their behalf. And as a result of that sacrifice, as a result of that, that, that hanging on Calvary and paying for uh, the guilt of all mankind, the sin of all mankind, he says, listen, we are to follow God, we're to forsake sin. Now, there are some things that should never be named among us as believers. And the question is, well, why then? Well, he's offered himself as our sacrifice. And we're his children now. Still, the erosion of our shores has been extensive, and the beautiful white sands of honesty and integrity have been swept away in great quantity. There are so many voices that proclaim another truth today. Therefore, integrity must be a mission, we said. We must be proactive in our pursuit and remain steadfast in our resolve. We must maintain our integrity at all costs. The teaching of Scripture is very clear. We noted principle is important. Ethics are urgent. And integrity is essential. So as we began our series, we talked a lot about truth and how we said that that's normal for us. 
Truthfulness is required of every believer, but especially for those who are given the privilege of teaching and training the next generation. Pastors, Sunday school teachers, bus workers, even nursery staff needs to ensure that they're men and women of impeccable character and integrity. They must be honest and truthful to speak the truth in love. When you report your attendance, be specific and tell it straight. If you didn't meet your goal, don't stretch it or say you did. When you talk about how things are going, be positive, yes, be upbeat for sure, but don't lie about it. If you said something and everybody knows that you said it, what's wrong with just simply saying, I was wrong, or I've changed my mind, or since further study, well, I won't do that again. So if you said it, you said it, so say you said it. You know, the truth is, is that we look twice the fool if we say we didn't say something that we did. And you know, people aren't stupid, right? Right? <laughs> I, oh, I almost said something I'd have regretted. <laughs> oh my, I'm moving on. Those who stand and proclaim the Word of God, whether at a go rally, a nursing home, or in the service, would do well to remember... A lie is a lie, and no matter, how you, no matter how you dress it up, it's still a lie. Even if it's spoken from the pulpit, it doesn't matter if you have a speaker system and you can say it louder, that doesn't make it any less untrue. It certainly doesn't make it true. So the integrity crisis that we have today is evident. There's no doubt there's an integrity, integrity crisis. And as a result of that, I think that it's affecting our abilities to live by principle. And so the question is, do, is there a way that we can solve this? Is there anything we can do about it? Well, I believe there is. I don't think we're without answers as believers today. Every Christian ought to be very serious about this area of Scripture as well. We need to do more than hoot and holler and say amen every time the preacher talks about get honest, be right with God, amen, glory to God. We've got to do more than that. We need to honor the Word of God in our daily lives and in our daily practice. Again, integrity defined as moral soundness or purity, incorruptness, uprightness, honesty. Now here are just a few suggestions, I'm just going to give a couple, for making integrity important and very much a part of your daily life. Because what we want to eventually get to and what we want to address and deal with is living by principle. Because once we make a decision to live by principle, many of the decisions that we have to make on a daily basis are already made for us. And so, first of all, we need to identify integrity and recognize the fact that integrity lays a strong and very secure foundation to live by principle. So, what, do we, what can we do? What, what steps can we take to build that and to ensure that we remain men and women of integrity along the journey of life? First of all, and there's nothing new here. You're going to say, oh, I knew that. Put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. That's the first thing we need to do. I mean, it's one thing to say we're putting Jesus first. It's another thing to put Jesus first. I mean, given the place of leadership and honor in your life that he deserves. I mean, what you and I say or think is virtually worthless unless we get in line with what Jesus has to say. 
We've got to uh, line up with him. We need to calibrate our thinking and our outlook and our mindset with Jesus Christ. When we put Jesus first and follow his example, then we'll find ourselves to be men and women of integrity and wisdom. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Well, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that there was nobody any wiser than the Lord Jesus Christ, so it seems to me we should be walking with Him. It's interesting when you look at the life of Jesus Christ over in the book of Luke chapter 2, verse 52, because of time I'm flying through this, but, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in wisdom and in favor with God and in, uh, I mean, that's amazing to me. He increased in wisdom and in favor with God and man. That to me is very interesting and that is amazing to me. And therefore it ought to be pretty obvious to you and I tonight that if Jesus Christ had to increase with the Heavenly Father and felt it necessary to increase in the eyes of humanity, then there's no doubt we ought to be doing so ourselves. And that process demands our focus being directed toward Jesus Christ. Some years ago, a head coach, and some of you may remember who the head coach was. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but you might remember a head coach divorced his wife of 26 years when he left coaching a college team to become the head coach of a National Football League team. Here's the interesting. He said that he, he needed his wife while coaching on the college level for social functions and to show families that he would be looking out for their particular sons. In pro football, however, as far as he was concerned, she was an unnecessary distraction to winning. He said he just simply wanted to live on his own and focus all of his attention on football. He said winning football was his number one priority and his two sons were second. And that's something. In contrast to that, we have Tom Landry, who was the former coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner as well. He said, the thrill of knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I think God has put me in a very special place, and He expects me to use it to His glory in everything I do. Whether coaching football or talking to the press, I'm always a Christian. Christ is first, family is second, and football is third, he says. The particular coach that ditched his wife and rearranged his priorities in order to win championships won two. But Tom Landry put Christ first, and he didn't have to lose his wife. He didn't have to lose his family. He didn't have to live on his own in a little single apartment next to the football field. He won two also. Someone once asked Tom Landry why he had been so successful as a football coach. And he said, in 1958, I did something everyone, has, everyone who's been successful must do. I determined my priorities for my life. Did you hear what he said, first of all? He said, I did something everyone who's been successful must do. I determined my priorities for my life. 
And he went on to say, God, family, and then football. Again, Christ must be first in our lives. He must be first in our homes if we hope to instill good character and integrity in our children. In a Berlin art gallery, there's a painting by German painter Adolf Menzel. He lived between 1815 and 1905. The painting was only partially finished. He intended to show Frederick the Great speaking with some of his generals. And Menzel painted generals and background, and he left the king until last. He had, had, he had drawn the outline of Frederick in charcoal. The problem is he died prior to finishing the painting. But how many Christians come to the end of their life without ever having put Christ into his proper place, center stage? Menzel simply left the king out of a picture or drawing. If not careful, we leave the king out of our life. You and I are going to be men and women of integrity if we're going to ultimately live by principle. Then we must put Jesus first. Number two, again, nothing new. Give attention to the Bible. In 1 Timothy 4.13, go ahead and there, turn, would you please, to 1 Timothy 4.13. A real simple verse, but we're going to just take it and, and, and break it down just a, real, just a little bit tonight. Give attention to the Bible. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attendance, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now during our Go Rally this past week, uh, Brother Caleb got up and he talked a lot about the idea of the difference between simply reading the Word of God and studying it. He expressed how different his outlook and his view has been since he made up his mind that it wasn't enough to simply read the Word, he needed to study the Word. Now again, it's not that maybe he hasn't studied it at some point, but he has, he, it's like the Lord opened his eyes to the reality that it's not enough to read the Bible alone. You've got to study it. Well, I'm convinced that he is not alone because even in my own life, if I'm not careful, I find myself spending time preparing messages but failing to study as I ought to study. And as a believer in Christ, our lives are so enamored with activity that we find ourselves giving ourselves an excuse for not studying the Word of God. Well, I did my reading today. Man, I flew through it, though, because I had things to do. And it was, I'm just saying that if indeed the Word of God is true, you say, but the Bible says, till I come give attendance to reading. 
Well, it's interesting that it doesn't simply stop there in the book of Timothy because later on in 2 Timothy, he says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be uh, ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, in order to study the word of God or the scriptures, you've got to read them. You can't study unless you first read. So give attendance to reading. However, don't limit the depth in which you read. I've read a book or two as of late, and one of the things I would like to accomplish in my life, I'd like to be able to read those books super fast. You know, like speed readers. You ever see them? They put their finger in and they go like this. I'd love to be able to do that. I can do that. I just don't know what I'm looking at. Sometimes I mess up the pages, though, even turning that fast. But wouldn't you love to be able to read that fast? It'd be awesome. 350-page book in a matter of 30 minutes. Yes! Man, I, I mean, I would be a genius. You're, you don't believe me? I'd at least be a lot smarter than I am now. You're still not doing very good. I mean, either that or I'm really doing bad. But the Bible clearly admonishes us to take our reading to the next level. Study to shew thyself approved unto God. Anyone that says to me, I tried Christianity and it didn't work, I guarantee you they never studied their Bible. Oh, they might have read it, but they did not get into it. They never saw the face of Jesus, I'll guarantee you that. It didn't work. What didn't work? Jesus? What didn't work? Salvation? What didn't work? The Word of God? What didn't work? The principles? What didn't work? The truths? What didn't work? The promises? The problem is you didn't work, sir. You didn't work, man. You expected God to do it through osmosis, maybe. We lay our Bibles under our pillow at night and we fall asleep and we hope that it's transferred into our brain. And when I was a kid, they used to do stuff like that. Man, I need to tell you, they, they t- I mean, there's all kind of crazy theories going around. Man, even get a little cassette player or something and start it up, put it on your pillow and listen to it all night while you sleep. You wake up and you're like, I'm going to get an A on this test. It never seemed to work that way, though, because that's not how we learn. A circuit-riding preacher, he entered one church building with his young son, and he, as he entered the building, it was a small church, and in the back there was an offering box. And so when he walked into the church, he dropped a coin into the offering box in the back. And not many people were there that particular Sunday, and those who were there really didn't seem to get too excited about what was said during the message. After the service, the preacher and his son, they just kind of walked to the back, and they emptied the box because people would in those days put offering in the pastor would come along or the 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 circuit rider and he had emptied the box take the money and that's how he and his family would live week to week month to month year after year by faith in this particular case when he walked back and emptied the box one coin fell out his son said dad if you'd have put more in you'd have gotten more out If you'd have put more in, Dad, you'd have got more out. And you know what? That's the case with reading uh, reading versus studying the Bible. 
Sadly, we're more often satisfied with a quick read than an in-depth study of Scripture. If you desire to be a man or woman of character and integrity and you hope to live your life by principle, then study is the ticket. That's what you want to do. Give attention, he says. Attendance to reading, I should say. But then he goes on to say to exhortation. Exhortation having to do with an act of encouraging, emboldening, uh, emboldening, uh, uh, cheering, advising. The primary sense seems to be this idea to, be, to excite or to give strength or spirit or courage, you know, to exhort, to, 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 to just excite somebody, to give them some strength, to uplift their spirit, to, to give them courage to stand, exhort. You know, we all face obstacles in this particular life we live. There's no doubt. It doesn't matter what race you're called to run, what path of life God puts you on. The fact is, is that there's going to be obstacles that you're going to face. There'll be tests that you have to pass. There'll be spiritual resolves, uh, spiritual uh, battles that you face. And you're just going to, have to, you're going to have to just resolve to stand. So we need the exhortation that comes from God's Word at church. We need that exhortation that comes from Sunday school, from other committed believers, and even our personal time in the Scripture. We need that exhortation. If indeed we plan or intend to be men and women of integrity and ultimately live by principle, then we must attend to reading and to exhortation. But he finally says doctrine. Doctrine is a belief or set of beliefs held and taught by a person, a church, even a political party or some other group. Philip Brooks made a statement. He said, the Bible's like a telescope. If a man looks through his telescope, he sees worlds beyond. But if he looks at his telescope, he doesn't see anything but that. See, the Bible is a thing to be looked through to see that which is beyond. But most people only look at it, and so therefore they only see the dead letters. Let me tell you what, if all we do is read God's Word and we never get look through the Word of God at life, it's pretty dry it's like the Sierra Desert. It doesn't satisfy. And it doesn't meet our needs. So look through it. Not just at it. We've said before, and it's been said over and over again at times, it's not how much you are in the Bible, but how much of the Bible is in you. Make the Bible big in your life. It was a non-Christian by the name of, I always have a hard time with his first name, but Gandhi. Gandhi once said this, he said, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilizations to pieces, turn the world upside down, and bring peace to a battle-torn planet but you treat it as though it's nothing more than a piece of literature. That's something. It's a lost man. Let me read that again from Gandhi. I, I, I wouldn't suggest you read his, 
anything he's got to say because he really doesn't have a whole lot to say to us. But he has something to say here to believers that ought to wake us up. You Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces. Turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it's nothing more than a piece of literature. Boy, God help us, right? Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Listen to it. And heed it. Heed it. We've got to live the word. That's what integrity is about. That's what living by principle is. Not just simply knowing what the Bible says, but applying what it says to our lives. Finally, if we're going to be men and women of integrity, if we're going to live by principle, let me give you one other thought. Follow leaders who follow the Lord. Follow leaders who follow the Lord. Now I want you to note the Word of God. Take your Bible, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12. We'll look at verses 12 and 13. Notice what God's Word has to say. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, we read, And we beseech you, brethren, What does it mean to beseech? You'd say beg them maybe, plead with them. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. That's pretty pointed. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that would be somebody like that stands in a pulpit possibly. Somebody that is standing over and giving an account for the people of God. Seems pretty clear to me. Kind of would go with Hebrews 13, 7 for sure, right? You say, what's that saying? Glad you asked. Remember them which have the rule over you and have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. What's he saying there? He's simply saying, Remember them that have the rule over you, which would be those that are in charge that have been ordained by God to stand in a position of authority and and so forth in the church. And he says, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith followed. Well, how is faith followed? Because it's, it's simple. Faith is visible. Remember James? He said, you know, uh, you show me your faith. Uh, say, how do you say it? Again, Caleb was talking about this the other day. But, you know, I'll show you my fi- faith by my works, he says. That's how it ought to be in a believer's life. One of the things that's destroying us is that Christianity today is a byword. It's not a lifestyle anymore. People are talking a lot about being Christians, but we're not seeing a lot of evidence of Christianity. I'm listening to people who are secular uh, people talking about the need for us to start living like the Christians that we claim to be. And they're not even talking about us. They're saying we as a culture, we as a society need Christ to be number one right now. We're recognizing that we're losing everything of any value. Integrity has been lost. Wisdom is out the door. Principles been trampled over. 
And they're saying, hey, listen, we may not even be Christians, but we can see the value of the Word of God in our culture and our society. It's got to be lived. And in this case, it's saying, listen, you follow their faith. What's that mean? Considering the end of their conversation. All right, they've been preaching the gospel. They've been giving you the truth. They've been telling you the principles of God. Let's watch their life a little bit. Where has it ended up? How, where's it taking them? Where's it taking them? Do you see evidence of the principles of God being exhibited in their life? Then follow their example. Do what they do. Someone says, that's pretty arrogant, that's prideful. No, that's Bible. Sadly enough, it's not preached enough today. One of the scariest things that I have to do as a pastor is I have to recognize and understand the awesome responsibility it is to have to tell you something when in my own life I worry because I think, I'm not worthy. And I think, how am I supposed to tell people these things? And God says, because you're the man of God and I've ordained it that way. So you get in there and you live your life according to my word and you tell them what they need to know and it doesn't matter where they land on it. Hopefully they listen to me too, like you are. And you're just doing what I tell you to do. There wasn't one, one Old Testament prophet that was perfect. Did you ever meet one? No, he, first of all, we haven't lived in that era. No New Testament saint was perfect. We got one perfect man that walked the face of the earth named Jesus Christ. Every one of us could point to another person and say, who do you think you are telling me something? You're just a sinner like me. We could all do that, right? But if you want to follow God's word, you better not do that. And if you want to be men and women of integrity, if you want your children to grow up as men and women of integrity, you want them to learn to live by principle and ultimately let principle guide their lives, then you've got to start showing them how to make that happen. And one way is to follow leaders who follow the Lord. So we note the word of God. Yes, it's obvious. Follow those that are following the Lord. But note the warning from Proverbs. We noted it already earlier, Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's a warning. Be careful who you're following. Be careful whose voices you're listening to. Be careful who your children are listening to. I listened to a secular guy just today, just on the radio. He was talking about, uh, about our culture and about life and stuff, and he said, he said, if you've got kids and you've not given them a phone, don't give them a phone. He even said, don't send them to public school. I'm thinking, wow, you ought to be behind a pulpit, brother. If I would say what he just said on that show, many people would be like, well, <laughs> like he's all righteous, like you got to do everything his way. This guy gets paid millions of dollars a year to say those things. I think to myself, maybe I picked the wrong profession. Because I could easily say those things for more money. It wouldn't, be any, it wouldn't be any more painful. I don't think. Sometimes I think it is. Because when you make less, it means more to you sometimes. You got more, you got, you got more to lose percentage-wise. He loses a few followers. He's still rich. We lose a few around here. The church goes, we got to start building back up again. Actually trust the Lord for a change. Right? 
You realize how many times we don't live by faith because everything's going our way? And i got to be careful because I don't want to get into the message that I'm working on. But boy, I'll tell you what, let's be careful here. Follow leaders who follow the Lord. Be careful because if you follow the wrong voices, you're heading the wrong direction and it's not going to lead you to a place of integrity, nor will it help you to live by principle. And finally, note the witness of the apostle. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the apostle Paul says, Be followers of me, even as, I am, even as I also am of Christ. And he's saying, listen, as I follow the Lord, and it's obvious and it's evident that Christ is with me and working in and through me, then by all means, follow me. Follow me. It's amazing. When I was growing up, I still remember my dad and talked to me about things. He'd say, listen. You want to be a millionaire, then guess who you need to talk to? A millionaire. You want to be good at woodwork, then you need to get a hold of somebody that's good at woodwork and watch them and follow them and let them teach and train you. It's funny to me as you think about those children, you know, you think about uh, the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ and he'd say, follow me, follow me, follow me, right? But you know where that came from? That comes from a, 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 a culture where the young men at the age of five would ultimately begin to learn scripture. And by the time they were old enough at 13 to have their bar mitzvahs, they almost had the whole entire Old Testament memorized. They'd begin to, the ones that really did a good job of it would ultimately begin kind of in an apprenticeship program. And through the next several years, they would work with a priest and they'd work with somebody in the temple. And ultimately, when they became around 20 years of age, they'd make a decision as to whether or not they're going to pursue that if they were good at it and they were they were accumulating and massing wisdom, amassing, amassing wisdom. They would say, they would go to a particular priest and say, and I follow you. And what they were saying, that guy would have to give it considerable thought. And there might be a number of young men that were saying, will you be my mentor? Will you be the one that works, takes me through this process? Will you be the one that ultimately brings me from this place to where you stand today? And they had to follow those men impeccably. They had to make a decision who they would follow And once that decision was made, they were in. And however that person interpreted the scriptures, however they viewed life, that is exactly what the disciple did and his view and his position. Christ says, follow me. You and I need to make a decision today to quit questioning God and simply say, I'll follow. Because if we don't do that, then we will not walk in integrity. We will not live by principle. As long as we have an out, as long as we can cross back over that bridge, as long as we don't burn all those bridges, we go back to our old self and our old life and we make our own decisions and we ultimately infect our families and everyone else around us in a very negative way. As we consider following leaders who follow the Lord, as we noted the word of God, we note the warning from Proverbs, the witness of the apostle, we can conclude only one thing. Follow good men and women of God. Follow those servants of God who are sincerely and honestly walking with him. Don't hesitate a minute. It's right, so do it.
Over the course of our lesson, we've shared a few suggestions for making integrity important and very much a part of our life. We said, put Jesus first. Give attention to the Bible. Follow leaders who follow the Lord. Again, these practices will certainly help develop character and integrity. They will provide the foundation needed to live our lives by principle. There were 128 runners in the field for the cross-country race at the 1993 NCAA Division II Track and Field Championships. As they set out on a 6.2-mile journey, they were following a course that had been marked for them by the race officials. Toward the end of the course, one of the runners in the middle of the group realized something was wrong. Mike Delcavo of Western State College in Colorado, he saw that the main pack had missed the turn. Quote, I was waving for them to follow me and yelling, this is the right way, this is the right way. He told an interviewer after the race, Delcavo was right. But only four other runners followed him. The rest continued on the shortcut, which allowed them to run a shorter distance and finish the race sooner in a widely criticized decision. Race officials allowed the abbreviated route to stand as the official course. And Delgavo, he officially finished 123rd. You know, the world doesn't always reward staying on track, literally or figuratively. But the path we follow is important to God, though. Delcavo made his decision based upon integrity and principle. Sadly, in this case, he was not rewarded accordingly. The world may not always reward those who live their lives in principle and by principle, but rest assured, can I tell you, God is watching and God is pleased when we do. One day we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for the life we've lived since being saved. And can I tell you that no shortcuts will be recognized in that day. Only those who have run the race that God outlined in His Word will be honored that day. Don't get caught taking shortcuts. Don't try to get over or get around. Don't take the path of least resistance. Do things God's way. Be a man, a woman of integrity. Live by principle and establish yourself as a follower of Christ. One Christian author wrote it this way. He said, most people in most churches think they're following Jesus. But I'm not so sure. They may think they're following Jesus, but the reality is this. They've invited Jesus to follow them. He was a new evangelical, by the way. We're not talking about a fundamental pastor here. We're talking about a new evangelical. pretty sad, isn't it? Because the reality is he's probably closer to the truth than any of us will ever understand. Most people in most churches think they're following Jesus, 
but I'm not so sure. They may think they're following Jesus, but the reality is this. They have invited Jesus to follow them. Too many times we want Jesus to follow us, to serve our purposes, and to do our will. Let's be honest. So live your life by principle. And it begins by being a man or woman of integrity. Are you a man or woman of integrity? Are you quick to take shortcuts or to follow God's predetermined path for your life? Will you make principle king in your life? Or will you travel the path of least resistance? It's really your decision, isn't it? And it's a decision I have to make every day of my life. And sadly enough, sometimes every moment. Because the moment we let our guard down, the devil's there to deceive us. May God help us to be men and women of integrity and men and women who live their life by principle. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together and we thank you for your goodness and grace in our lives. Lord, we are a needy people and Lord, every one of us needs to do probably a better job in this area. There's no doubt that I'm sure that folks that attended Wednesday night service are trying to do their best Lord, you know, I know that's what you expect of us and that's what you want of us, but Lord, we can't do this in our own strength either. It can't just be our best. We've got to do it in your power. Holy Spirit power. Help us to depend on you, Lord. And for us that are parents or grandparents, Lord, may we continue to run the race, recognizing and understanding that, Father, there are those that are watching and that, Lord, it matters how we end the race. Father, be glorified now in our lives. And Lord, may you help us to raise a generation with integrity and a generation that will live by principle. We'll thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.